today on Ag News Daily. The, the bad thing was the frost is still in the ground, so all this water would not sink down. It continued to stay on top of the ground, and, and as traffic went across, it just turned into soup. Happy Friday, folks. Another fun Friday podcast here on Ag News Daily. We've got a great guest host today. We've got Scott Bankin. Scott, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, your farming operation. Great to be here. Uh, appreciate the opportunity. It's really fun uh, to be here with you guys today. I um, farm, grew up in northern Tama County here in east central Iowa, grew up on a row crop and livestock farm, went away to college at Iowa State, graduated in 2005, spent a little time working in the hog industry as a uh, territory manager, managing some swine sites, had an opportunity to move back and uh, do some farming with some uh, local guys. Ended up forming our own farming company. Uh, a previous guest host of yours, Caleb Hamer, and I are business partners. I farm with he and his dad uh, here in southern Blackhawk, northern Tama County. Do a little all over the area. We do quite a bit of custom farming, mostly spraying, but do some full season custom farming and farm a lot of our own ground too, uh, corn, soybeans, and uh, dabble in a little seed production here and there. But uh, we keep busy doing those things and uh, have a lot of uh, neat things and challenges and everything else that every farmer gets to experience. Absolutely. And Scott, we've got listeners, of course, all over the country, and everybody wants to know, what does this spring look like for you guys up there in northern, northern Tama County? When do you think planters are going to start to roll? Boy, that is the uh, million-dollar question. Uh, I had an opportunity to do a little road trip this morning, had to make a parts run, crossed four counties, saw a lot of uh, fertilizer applicators, mainly on hydrous applicators, waiting to go, sitting in a lot of yards. But, boy, there were not very many field activities, both having been done in the last couple of days or looking like they're anywhere close. Boy, the uh, low ground is still very, very wet. And, I mean, we were close before we had the we had uh, two-tenths of an inch of rain here yesterday and the night before, and it really softened things back up again. It was getting close when we were getting sun and warmth, but it's just we're not quite there yet. And, mm -hmm. boy, it's, it just keeps delaying and delaying. And we know we can plant in a hurry, but yeah. with the delays we experienced last fall, man, we've got a lot of drying to do yet. Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, looking through some stuff this morning some news and it looks like we're going to get maybe more wetness across the plains this weekend so i know a lot of folks are kind of chomping at the bit to get into the fields but doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon especially when you look at parts of western iowa nebraska south dakota missouri those guys are long ways away i would say and and several models runs i've seen the last few uh, days here are showing a major system setting up for the middle of next mm -hmm. week with the dreaded the dreaded s word was no, invoked a couple of times in that one so that could uh, also do i mean we're supposed to warm up nicely this weekend but with the rain chances and then cooling right back off again it's just we just uh, take one step forward two step back it feels like yeah, absolutely. And when you look at things in the news where we're taking one step forward and two steps back, I feel like that is a good description of the Chinese trade negotiations. We saw President Trump yesterday after a meeting with uh, Vice Premier 
Lu He said four more weeks. That was the quote that a bunch of people have been been sharing. He said four more weeks. We could make an announcement in the next four weeks, more or less,、um, and then see an official summit set with President Xi Jinping. I thought this was interesting, though. Apparently, today is the actual one year anniversary of when China put that round of tariffs on U.S. soybeans. Yeah, tough to believe it's been a year, but、mm-hmm. you know, if you look at the soybean charts, it makes some sense. I mean, that's when we saw this the the real sell off begin, and I thought it was interesting. Like you said, Delaney, they said four more weeks. That's when President Trump and uh, and uh, President Xi in China expect to be having some sort of big thing to roll out. But Robert Lighthizer said yesterday that there were still some major major issues to resolve. One of those. Is China's slow rolling of biotech crops? They are not willing to sign off on biotechnology at the same pace that Americans are, and even some European countries are are moving faster than China does, and that is going to be a sticking point. The thing that jumped out at me, and I think this is an incredible testament to where we are globally with regard to technology. So the The in-person talks are done today. The vice premier is flying back to China. He's got to be back in Beijing, so they're going to continue these trade talks over a video link. Basically, they are going to be deciding international trade on Skype, the same way we record this podcast,、hmm. and that just boggles my mind. Yeah, that's interesting. It's yeah, just, it's just a hurry up and wait thing. We just sit out here in the cheap seats and.、Uh, Get to watch and you know watch the market react to the news and enjoy the、uh, the fun that is the show that Chinese and American trade talks are. Absolutely, yeah. Not a, I like that the cheap seeds.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and they got a little cheaper today, Scott. I'm sure you were watching the markets. Yeah, unfortunately, I get the day with the red on the screen.、So. <laughs> <Yeah> . <laughs> at least in the gr-、yeah. at least in the grain complexes, I haven't looked at the、uh, hog and、uh, cattle futures yet. But yeah, a lot of red over there too.、Mm-hmm. Ah, well, good. I get I get the fun Friday. We're gonna make it fun, Scott. What what fun news do you have for us? What things are jumping out at you in the world of agriculture today that our listeners need to know about? Well, I found a,、uh, you know, continuing a little bit of the discussion you've had the last several days about the CBD oil and the hemp growing,、uh, found, I find it a very interesting topic. As I think, in my personal opinion, as a younger farmer and things, I think that we are hungry out here, especially in the Midwest, for a viable third alternative for a crop,、uh, something that can be profitable. May not need to be the whole operation, but can be some sort of specialized crop or something that you know the highly productive soils that we have here in the Midwest. I mean, it it and you know you get so much feedback on the mono cropping system that it, whether it's perceived as a good or a bad thing in the public eye. And you know, it, in the years when I was at Iowa State, it was triticale was being looked at as one of those viable third op- options as a crop here in the Midwest. And if we can figure out a way to get the regulators to sign off on hemp, is that a good thing? I maybe so. Yeah, I, I'm glad you're sharing your opinion on that because we hear. I guess I hear it more from bankers and insurance guys. 
and maybe retail level, but from farmers themselves, I don't know that I've, I've gotten a lot of feedback on hemp production. So it's interesting to hear your take on it, Scott. I mean, we have the um, infrastructure and we do a great job of growing corn and soybeans here in the Midwest. We do maybe too well to a certain degree. I mean, depending on how you look at it, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but is there a viable third option out there for especially, you know, the, the corn belt? Yeah. And, you know, Scott, look, Looking at this as a grower who has, you know, you're you're still a young farmer and, you know, you're working with lenders, you're working with, with folks of all different stripes. How much, hmm, I guess, how profitable does hemp need to be if you were to pencil it out to have you risk putting some acres into that kind of production? What's your mindset? What's your decision-making process look like to incorporate, you know, a new kind of a crazy crop into the mix? Well, it's definitely got to be cash flow competitive with the big two. I mean, corn, soybeans, as far as, I mean, you're competing essentially for that acre of ground that could grow corn or soybeans. And in our general area, you're talking on average around that probably $300 an acre rent level at at this time and place. And so, I mean, it's got to, you know, and I haven't looked at fertility requirements or anything like that for hemp or production and how you store and uh, manage it in that respect. But I mean, I think that it boils down first thing to can it be cash flow competitive on that acre with corn and soybeans? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That makes complete sense. But I think it's going to be interesting too to see if cash flow wise, because there are some states that think it could roll out for this growing season, if not next growing season. Um, I'm I'm interested to see how all the trade stuff plays into that and if hemp maybe becomes a more viable option than growing soybeans this year, which I think is maybe a little bit far-fetched, but you never know. Yeah, I, yeah, I think... It, it, Go ahead, Scott. I'm sorry to interrupt there, but it... It it's not a that unusual of a thing. I mean, we had some industrial hemp processing during World War II in this area, and we still see the mm-hmm. remnants of it growing in the fence line. Right. You know, so. <laughs> yes, still see high school kids chopping it down, trying to uh, have yeah. a little fun with it. Yeah, something like that. I read. I read I today. Think all, yeah. I read today. It's uh, not been legal for 82 years hmm. at a national level. So I don't know. That's a minute or two, that's for mm-hmm. sure. But Scott's right. You can still you can still find it growing out there and uh you know, it still looks a lot like the real thing. I think yeah. the old timers will tell you it's just uh it's all it's good for is giving you a headache though. So. Right. <laughs> yep, that's yeah. that's what I've heard and that's what I remember high school teaching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I've got a another piece of interesting news. I'm interested to get your guys' take on I don't know if you you guys saw it on the news, but President Trump earlier this week, I can't remember who he was addressing, well, a fundraiser for Republicans, he claimed that wind turbines cause cancer from the noise, and uh, Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa claimed that that statement was idiotic, which I agree, (laughs) because there are no studies, scientific studies that have identified this as a human risk, human health risk, especially not a carcinogen, but 
<laughs> yeah, I think there are a lot of valid reasons that people don't like to see wind turbines. I've heard from a lot of different growers who say it'll be a cold day in hell before they ever put one on their property. And I get that. It's your property. Do with it what you please. But I, I don't I don't think there's a lot of credible evidence that it, that it causes cancer. It it seems that, you know, in this day and age, we live in the soundbite mentality. It's you throw something out there mm-hmm. and let the uh, the echo chamber feed on it. Yeah. But, I mean, there's studies that show the same thing with major, you know, heavy power lines living in or around those. And, I mean, we don't see any less of those going in. Our demand for energy doesn't seem to be going down any. And it, it, so how do you... How do you weigh these things? I think I don't think wind energy is going to fix all of our problems, but is it certainly a piece of the puzzle? Probably. And I, I know they're putting in a large complex just to the east of us here. I believe construction starting this spring, um, just within five miles of the home base here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tama County has quite a few wind turbines, actually. Yes, we get to see lots of the red blinking lights when you look yep. to the west at yeah. night. Now I'll get to see them to the east as well. <laughs> yep, every time I'm coming home from somewhere south of Grinnell, I see the blinking lights and I know that I'm about 10 miles away because we've got a fair number of wind farms as well. And, you know, like you say, it's it's a piece of the puzzle. And at the end of the day, if it works for the landowner and the power company, you know, I'm glad they're there. If it doesn't, hey, let that landowner keep him off his property, you know, it, it, let the market work, you know. Yep. And, uh, you know, I've seen more and more local guys adopting, you know, we have these large sheds out here, whether it be a hog barn, a cattle shed or a machine storage facility. Lots of solar panels have gone up here in the last probably five years. Lots of interest in that side of the equation as well. It, that The uh, installation has come down on those, I know, and, you know, they're selling power back to the grid in low times and supplementing a little bit of their own usage when they need to. And, that's become a big thing as well. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta look at what can help make things pencil and energy is one of those things. If you can cut that cost, Hey, in this environment, that is a win win. Speaking of cutting costs, Delaney costs for livestock costs for ethanol producers, all of their costs declined today with the red Mm -hmm. in the markets. What do you say? Should we jump in and talk markets real quick? I think we should, but I want to make note of one other quick piece of news I saw on the headlines for today that I think could have some positive impacts in our in our uh, commodity markets here in the future. We're going to see another round of soft trade talks with Brazil start next week or take place next week with the Brazilian vice president, Hamilton, I'm going to butcher his last name, Moro, maybe, or Mor- sure. Mario, not sure. And uh, he's going to sit down with our U.S. Vice President Mike Pence. And uh, I think that's a really good sign because it's on the heels of, of course, the meeting last month that happened with President Trump and President Bolsonaro, where they pledged to lift Brazil's ban on U.S. pork and set an annual uh, tariff rate quota to allow more U.S. wheat into Brazil from the U.S. We're still waiting on ethanol to become a piece of that puzzle, too. But the ethanol market could certainly use a boost. Yeah, absolutely. Scott, I know up in your part of the world, ethanol is a great buyer of corn. What have you been seeing on basis up there from some of the ethanol plants? You know, I haven't looked at it today, but I know they've been... um, You can find, especially now, this last little bit of rain we had, 
the gravel roads have really deteriorated again. They're very soft yet. Uh, you know, we're still melting the last remnants of the snow. We still have, you can still find it in the shady spots and things. Every now and then you'll get a nice push on some bases and, you know, they're demanding just a little bit of corn here and there. You've got to pay attention daily. And uh, it really, you know, you can really pay off pretty well for that. I know Cedar Rapids has tightened theirs here recently. Uh, quite, a, They had a really nice push here early last week. So Nice. It's good to see some opportunities out there, especially, you know, given the, the of the current marketing environment. I think that's the that's the technical term for the environment we're in. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> that's a good that's a good one for it. Yeah, that, that's why people pay me for my expertise. You know, I, I come up with these groundbreaking explanations of uh, current markets. But what do you say? Let's let's take a look at these current markets. See where things closed out for the week, Delaney. What do you say? Let's do it. All right, folks, our markets are brought to us by our great friends at the Zaner Group. Remember, get in touch with them and have one of their marketing strategists help you manage your marketing risk, especially in these volatile times. Give them a shout at 312-277-0050 or visit them on the web at zaner.com and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. As I mentioned, it is red all down the screen in the grains today, starting with May corn closed down two and three quarters at 362 and a half, with the December new crop down two and a quarter to finish at 390 even. In soybeans, May was off seven and a half cents at eight ninety nine even, with the November new crop down six and three quarters, wrapping the week at nine thirty two and three quarters. Chicago wheat was not spared. May contract dropped three cents on the day at four sixty seven and three quarters, with July down four to finish at four sixty nine and three quarters. Jumping over to the world of livestock, we've got red in live cattle. April contract down a dollar fifty at one twenty six oh five. June down a dollar twenty two fifty to close at one twenty thirty five. In feeder cattle. Mixed trade today with the April down 17 and a half cents at 146.15 and the May up 15 to close at 150.22 and a half. And mixed trade as well in lean hogs with April down 55 cents at 79.02.50. The May up 17 and a half to close at $91 even. Jumping over to look at the dairy market in class three milk, we see the April contract up a nickel at 15.86 with the May also up a nickel. Close the day at 15.76. Delaney, would you do us the honor of introducing today's interview, please? I would love to. So um, as I uh, talked about on the podcast last week, I was in Nebraska touring some of those flood-affected areas, traveled to Fullerton, Nebraska, and caught up with a cattle producer over there, Gene Dubas. Well, as I mentioned on the podcast last week, I traveled to Nebraska to really see some of those areas affected by the flood started in Yankton, South Dakota and made my way south all the way to Fullerton, Nebraska, where I had the chance to catch up with Gene Dubas of Dubas Cattle Company. And he shares his insight and, and what he's seen from the recent flooding events. So tell me a little bit about a week ago or a week and a half ago when this bomb cyclone hit Nebraska. What was it like for you guys? The, the bomb cyclone was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, we've been fighting Mother Nature all winter. Uh, cold, cold, nasty days, wind chill down below zero. Um, it just it was a battle. I mean, we were calving. We started calving the 10th of February. Uh, it took all we had to kind of save these calves, kick them out after we'd saved them. Um, the day that that come, or the day before that come, we had a snowpack out here. And, and we're kind of on the flat for the most part out here. And 
when the snow started melting and the rain started coming, the ground just looked like a, a big artesian well. There was just water coming up all over. It, it was, I've never seen that before out here. And did a lot of other folks in this area have the same, same experience? You know, a lot of folks in this area had it way worse than I did. We're, like I say, we're, we're up on the flat and, and we even flooded up here. But as you head into town, go west of town, you go east of town, uh, they had it a lot worse than we did. The, the bad thing was the frost is still in the ground, so all this water would not sink down. It continued to stay on top of the ground, and, and as traffic went across it, whether it's a hoof print, a tractor print, or a vehicle print, it just turned into soup, and it just kept getting worse. Every trip over the ground, it just keeps getting deeper and deeper to this day. And now we're kind of in a period where folks are trying to rebuild. What's the next steps for you and the community of Fullerton to get past all of this? You know, if, 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 if you haven't hit your wall, you're going to. Everybody's going to. I mean, we're all strong. Everybody says, you know, we're going to get through this, and, and we are. But I think we're going to need a lot of support after, after the fact because everybody wants to be strong in front of everybody. And I've had several people call me already and say, what are you going to do? What, what, what are you going to do? I mean, what can we do? You know, we, we've lost a, a lot of livestock. A lot of people have lost a lot of their ground. I mean, I, I know a lot of people that have big cottonwood trees out in the middle of their their cornfields. Uh, everybody's going to have to stick together and help each other through this. Everybody's going to have to be our, our own leaning tree to uh, cry a shoulder on when it, you know, I, we're going to have to stick with each other and coax each other to carry on and put one foot in front of the other. Logistically, obviously a lot of roads are closed or washed out. Um, for you guys hauling cattle, does it make it an issue right now? Everything's an issue. I mean, you, you know, we're, we're an ag community, but there's people here that are, are teachers that teach in another town. There's stuff in town here that needs to go to another town. There's feed that needs to come here. Everything is becoming an issue, and I think it's going to become a bigger issue as time goes on. I, I've had feedlots tell me they, they can't get trucks in to get their cattle out. They can't get feed in to feed their cattle. You know, they're, they're, they're getting some stable products, the hay and stuff in, but there's a lot of the, the things, the gluten. I mean, the, the, the places can't get corn in to make it. I mean, it's, it's going to be a big cycle that everybody's, it's, it's going to involve everybody. Do you know, speculating here, a timeline for, like, especially in this community or this area, how long of a rebuilding process is going to take for all of that? A long time. It, it, it's going to take a long time. I mean, every, you know, there's only so many bridge builders. There's only so many highway people that fix the highway. There's only so many workers, only only so many hours of daylight. I mean, it's going to take a long time. It's going to take a lot of effort from a lot of a lot of people to help support the people that are fixing things. Um, you know, it's going to take a lot. And I see we put ads in the paper, the sheriff's department put ads in the paper. If you're not need to be on a county road, get off the county road. And, and I agree, you know, these roads are vanishing. I mean, the highway's closed because it's washed out and so we're taking and using these county roads and and they're just disappearing they're just sinking into the ground and and we're trying to haul cattle out of here and we're on the highway we're hauling them close to town and and uh, everybody's getting kind of short and we put people in front people behind and flashers on and say you know slow down we're trying to load off the highway because we can't pull off the highway and cars just zoom 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 by and and everybody is short everybody is used to getting where they want to go right away and and so we need to all step back, take a breath, and just slow down a little bit. So roads in this part of the state, all of them closed, a lot of them closed? Um, I would say they're not all closed, and some are open that should be closed. If you want to take a tractor or four-wheel drive pickup down there and continue to disrupt the road, I mean, you know, they shouldn't be traveled on. And 
people that don't need to be on them, I'll stress it again, don't, don't be on them. I mean, it's, it's vital for the people that need them roads to have a road to travel on. And I mean, God forbid we have an emergency situation and the fire department or somebody has to try and get down them roads. Have you guys heard anything as far as there have been rumors that um, further north they're going to get more melting and have that head back down this way? Is that a, another concern? It, it, nothing would surprise me with Mother Nature this year. Yes, it's a concern. Anytime we have that much frozen ice still up there and we have such enormous amounts of water already down here, it, it's, it's definitely a concern. And, and it needs to be a concern for everybody. Did you guys feel like you got any um, outreach from other ag communities or other small communities? Oh, most definitely. I mean, most definitely. I mean, the outreach from other ag communities is, uh, I don't have a word to describe it. I mean, I don't have arms big enough to wrap around the word that it would take. It, it's, it's horrendous. It's, it's, it's a gazillion bazillions of people wanting to help. It's, it's amazing. Um, is there anything else I'm forgetting or any other effects or anything that you've seen that's worth sharing? You know, it just to me, I, I, I just know, I mean, everybody has a situation. Everybody. This has affected everybody. And, and you know, we have it with our muddy yards and nowhere to go and not be able to get to our feed supply. Uh, other, other people have it with water in their basement or their house is gone. Uh, my son had a nice cabin on the river, and I mean, it, it didn't move. It, it, it's gone. It is, it is physically gone. I mean, there's people that lost homes. I mean, it, this is a, it's a devastating thing, and a lot of people haven't seen it. A lot of people outside of, of the war zone, they don't know there was a war even going on. Yeah, a lot of mainstream media didn't pick it up. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Gene was actually part of a story I did for This Week in Agribusiness. So folks, if you want to see that full story with Gene and a couple of other folks, going to be playing snippets from those interviews later on in the podcast over the next week or so. But if you want to see that full story, you can head to www.farmprogress.com. I also want to share with our listeners, because I know a lot of you are probably interested in helping out. I know we've had some folks asking how they can make donations monetary-wise and also hey donations, but Gene Dubas is doing his own little fundraiser here for folks that have been affected. And you can find a out about that fundraiser on his website, silencershoots.com slash Nebraska Strong hyphen relief. They are selling Nebraska Strong t-shirts and uh, just purchased mine. So folks do do look into that. I, I talked to Gene about that when I was at his place in Fullerton and he said all of the money is going, of course, to people who have felt the effects. Um, Fullerton, Nebraska, his community there had bridges out. So all of the money is going to Fullerton, Nebraska area and Nance County, which has been one of the areas really impacted by the flood. So again, that website is silencershoots.com slash Nebraska Strong Relief. All right. Well, again, that website to, uh, if you want to buy your own Nebraska Strong t-shirt is silencershoots.com slash Nebraska Strong hyphen relief. I just bought mine yesterday. I don't know. I think that it feels good to be able to help out in some small capacity. And I know we've had folks that have asked how they can donate hay and money and other things. So just another piece here as we continue to watch those and help those folks rebuild. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I that's probably the only thing I'll ever be able to afford from the Silencer website <laughs> is a Nebraska Strong t-shirt. Because <laughs> I would love their shoots, but they're very, very nice. Yeah, they are nice. A little nicer than I can afford. Mm.
Well, that's because you always buy used things, Mike. I buy stuff that has already been depreciated, Delaney. Mm. It's a very shrewd tax policy. <laughs> oh, geez. All right, yeah, Mr. Bacon. Really, really neat to see all the uh, donations and things going out to Nebraska. Your heart goes out to the people who are affected by the flooding out there. Just, It's just devastating, the pictures I've seen and things. Uh, I've got a family connection out there. My in-laws hail from Howells, Nebraska, and currently live in Council Bluffs, but directly uh, their family farm area is directly affected by what's going on and everything and just really neat to see the outpouring of midwesterners helping each other and uh really taking everything they can to give back to everybody who needs help over there absolutely agriculture is at the end of the day a small world and uh, we do a pretty darn good job of looking after our own when disaster strikes and i know we'd appreciate similar care if disaster were to strike in central iowa or north central iowa or wherever it is we call home well, Delaney, if listeners want to catch that link, I'm sure we'll be posting it. Or if they just want to follow along with the Ag News Daily team, where should they go? Absolutely. We have our home, globalagnetwork.com. Folks, I encourage you to check it out over the weekend. We're rolling out user profiles so you can connect with those podcasts and content that you like to follow. Again, that's globalagnetwork.com. You can also interact with the Ag News Daily team on social media at Ag News Daily on Facebook and on Twitter. Scott, we appreciate you guest co-hosting with that, with us today. With that, should we let the people go? We should let them go. 